From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey friends, hope you're warm, dry, and well-fed. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth. It is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. Who said that? Was it Thomas Paine, Thomas Aquinas, Gandhi? Nope. Professor Dumbledore. The Richard Harris Dumbledore. Not that other guy, the... The faux Dumbledore, as I call him. There's only one Dumbledore, right? Richard Harris. Good to be back in the air chair. Spent a week in the damp cold of Seattle. Thanks again to guest hosts Patrick White and Victor Vigiani for sitting in and performing so admirably in my absence. And I had a chance to listen to both shows. Uh, I thought they were just stellar. So Patrick and Victor, you two are the best. Another good show for you tonight. Our media scientist friend Nelson Thal will join us for another installment of State Secrets in about 35 minutes. Uh, Nelson, if you're new to the program, is a, a puzzle inside of an enigma wrapped in a riddle dipped in a mystery. He's also pretty plugged into the intelligence community, and he's going to be here to blow your minds, really, with some unbelievable stories. Who's murdering the bankers, the rise of drones, Illuminati symbols at Sochi, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Scala says internment camps are a possibility, and much more. That's uh, State Secrets with Nelson Thal coming up in about a half hour. If you haven't checked out my new and improved website, richardserrett.com, please take time to drop by and check it out. Another section of the website, the hot news items, is where you'll find some pretty remarkable and might say unbelievable stories. You'll find links there to stories like... Uh, How the Obama administration is in high-level discussions about staging an operation to kill American citizens involved with al-Qaeda and suspected of plotting attacks against the United States. This is according to a senior U.S. official who declined to disclose any specific information about the target or the country the suspect resides in, but they are confirming this information, which was first reported in the Associated Press. And the debate about whether to undertake a mission is being held with various commanders in the U.S. military, as well as the U.S. national security agencies. The discussion centers on the risk involved and the importance of the target. Before military force against an American is approved, there must be imminent danger and no reasonable prospect of capturing the target. Ultimately, the president would need to sign off on the decision. The U.S. has targeted an American before, most notably Yemeni-American cleric Anwar al-Awlaki, sorry, Awlaki, a key member of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula who was killed by a U.S. drone in 2011. Another American, Samir Khan, was killed in the same strike. Though he was not the target of the operation, Khan was behind al-Qaeda's English-language Inspire magazine, which aimed to influence jihadis and wannabe jihadis around the world. Now... If you're wondering how we arrived at this place in history where a U.S. president has the power to assassinate U.S. citizens abroad and perhaps one day on U.S. soil, then the answer may be contained in the story just below that one on the hot news item section. That story is headlined, 70 million Americans on mind-altering prescription drugs. Troubling times, my friend, troubling times. And my next guest provides some of the best commentary anywhere on these troubling times. Every week he publishes an alternative news analysis email or e-letter called World Affairs Brief, which offers an ongoing globalist or, or offers insights on an ongoing globalist conspiracy to undermine national sovereignty. Joel Skousen is a political scientist by training, specializing in the philosophy of law and constitutional theory, and as I mentioned, the editor and publisher of the World Affairs Brief. Joel Skousen, how are you? 
I'm just fine, Richard. It's always good to be with you. Pleasure is all mine, my friend. For those uh, who are new to the program, Joel, just take a couple of minutes and explain what World Affairs Brief is all about. Well, World Affairs Brief comes out every Friday. It's my weekly news analysis service. Uh, it is by subscription. People can get a free sample issue by emailing me at editor at World Affairs Brief. But I take a look at the news from the aspect of what the media is not telling us. That's how most news is distorted by omission. The key stories, the key problems, the stand down in Benghazi, for example, the, uh, you know, the hidden background between President Obama. You know, there are people paid full time to protect these people who are insiders within government from um, the kind of thing that you and I would get thrown in prison for. And how would, kicked how would, out of the, or kicked out of the country. Sure, absolutely. And how do you, how would you describe sort of your world view that underlies, uh, or that informs the world affairs brief? Well, I I take a conspiratorial view of history, to be very frank. I don't think any war has happened because of accident or because of the reasons, the, uh, the superficial reasons that the history gives us. I think wars and takeovers of country and demise of country are, are planned by people who have a very evil systematic agenda. Not the same people necessarily, but... Uh, it, it definitely seems to be systematic. It's been with us for two centuries, and they're still working at taking away our liberty, both in the United States and Canada. And uh, it's a, what I call a globalist agenda. They want a global government, and they have to take away national sovereignty and talk us out of that sovereignty and many essential liberties to get there. Well, when you talk about the mainstream media not providing us with uh, you know, the real truth, to me, the most glaring example of that these days, and there are many examples, but the one that jumps out at me is the state of not only the U.S. economy, but the global economy. If you were to listen to the mainstream media, you would think that we are in the midst of a recovery. And albeit, admittedly, they would, they would admit it, it, it's a halting economy, but, you know, it's, it's getting better all the time. Yet, I think most people know in their gut, in their heart, that's simply not the case. It's difficult, though, for people to get a real bead on the economy. And, and I know that you follow ShadowStats.com and the great work of, of John Williams. First of all, explain a little bit about uh, what John Williams does at ShadowStats, and then I'd like to get your take on the U.S. economy. Well, John Williams started out as an economist and statistician of uh, going after the continual revision between the Consumer Price Index, the official government rating of inflation, and why it was being manipulated as inflation would go up. The CPI would not, and people were saying, what's going on here? He finally got after it and started to go back and, and uh, put back in he reverse engineered the changes so that basically he was able to recreate a true consumer price index as it has been changing and mapping that. He's been doing that for years and correctly indicating the government is fudging the figures in order to downplay inflation. But of late, John Williams, who, as you say, I've had a great deal of respect for, and for the last three years, in fact, he's been predicting the imminent collapse of the dollar. And uh, I take issue with that in, in this week's World Affairs Brief uh, because he seems to have bought into something that most free market economics uh, people, the good guys, in other words, not the Keynesians who believe in government um, fiat money and boosting the economy artificially, but people who believe in true free markets and, and, and a gold standard for currency that you can't inflate arbitrarily. The Austrian they, school. Yeah, the Austrian school, uh, which my brother Mark uh, Skousen, the economist who writes forecast strategies, part of that. I'm part of that. 
and many other notable works like Henry Hazlitt and uh, even the Milton Friedman wasn't part of the school. He was a monetarist, meaning he believed in inflating at a certain set rate of 3 to 4% a year uh, to keep the economy going. Uh, we are of the Austrian school, which basically said it's got to be honest money. You, you can't ever dilute the supply of money. If you increase it, you have to increase it by actual goods and productions and services and the increase of gold supply. And that any true gold standard is an exchange standard. In other words, it doesn't make any difference if central banks have gold in their vaults. If you can't exchange dollars for that gold, then it's not a gold standard. A gold standard is where each piece of paper is worth a certain percentage of gold, and government's job is to make sure that the gold is there so that if everybody who held the currency exchanged for the gold, they would come out even. And that's not the way it's been operating for many, many years, and nothing short of that standard will keep government printing presses in check. Okay, so back to John Williams and yeah. his prognostication that the, the U.S. dollar, which is hovering just above 80 cents right now, uh, is going to collapse, and uh, whatever that means. But, but you, you, would, uh, you would part company with John Williams on that point. Yes, I do. In fact, uh, it is all the rage within the American right wing, the constitutional right wing, the Austrian economy, to say, hey, we believe in fundamentals, and the fundamentals say it's got to collapse. But they don't understand the conspiracy. They don't understand the powers that be, and that they have a lot more power to keep this going than they think. Now, I am not parting company in saying that it isn't bad. It is bad. And it's uh, if you took out the sectors, for example, that are speculative and that are Ponzi schemes, balloons or bubbles, if you will, like the derivative scandal. There are over $500 trillion in derivatives contracts out there, and the, the Federal Reserve only estimates there's $75 trillion in the whole world. Now, they're wrong. They're understating because the Fed will not admit that the United States government is shipping pallets, not suitcases, but pallets full of $100 bills to Iraq, to Afghanistan. They did it to Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. That's how come the oligarchs had $100 bills that they were passing around Europe, this and only hundreds. exporting their inflation. $10. If they didn't export that money, the inflation rate, if that money was circulating within the United States, then the inflation rate would inflation. go. That's right. But by exporting our inflation around the world and getting the rest of the world to continue to absorb dollars, I mean, look what happened in 2001 when Argentina had its banking crisis and shut down all the banks. People couldn't even use their credit cards. Over $500 billion came out of the mattresses or wherever they were hiding their stash in Argentina as people brought their dollars out to start to use them again. Joel, i got to uh, stop you right there. We'll take a time out. We'll yeah. come back, and it looks like uh, uh, Argentina is facing that same situation yeah, again right. soon. Joel Skousen, World Affairs Brief, back with more of my conversation here on The Conspiracy Show. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. And if you go to the bottom of my homepage at richardserrett.com, there's a, a banner ad there. Uh, if, if you don't see it right away, just click on Refresh, the rotating banner ads. And there's a banner ad there for World Affairs Brief. Just click on that. That'll take you right to the site, and you can subscribe to Joel's weekly news analysis uh, a service, which comes out every Friday. So, Joel, we were talking about... 
the inflation rate, the real inflation rate, and uh, basically the larger picture, how bad is the U.S. economy? John Williams of ShadowStats.com says it's it's uh, we're on the the precipice really of total you know collapse in the United States, uh, and uh, we were we were explaining why you don't necessarily agree. Right, and once again, as a review, it's not that I disagree that. Uh, the economy has ballooned up with false money. Uh, the only question is, can they keep going? John says it has to collapse. There has to be a crisis. This year, 2014, he said that in 2012, 2013, and now again 2014. He's been wrong every one of the years, and I think he's going to be wrong again. And here's the reason. First of all, he says the only tool that the government has left is raw inflation. And that's what quantitative easing is. Quantitative easing is where you buy up the U.S. debt that they can't sell. You create print money to buy it up, and you're essentially inflating the money supply at $85 trillion. Now it's been reduced to $70-some trillion. They're tapering the, the QE3. And their goal but is 2% inflation, correct? Their goal is about 2%. Well, you know, that's what the inflation rate, the manipulated inflation rate, has been now for the past, you know, five or six years. But, in fact, the real inflation rate, according to Shadow Stats, is between 6 and 9%, and it's been that way for the past 20 years. Now, John Williams, as well as Peter Schiff, another you know, notable free market uh, investment advisor and economist, has claimed that there's going to be or has to be hyperinflation. So here's the mistake they're making. They don't understand the mechanism that hyperinflation has to go through in order to get to hyperinflation. Nobody's asking the question, whether it's in Zimbabwe, which had the highest inflation ever in the history of the world, or the German Weimar Republic, which had a tremendous amount of inflation, nobody's ever asking, how is it that the common person ended up with wheelbarrows full of German marks, for example, to take to the store to buy a loaf of bread? I mean, if we had inflation, where would you get wheelbarrows full of dollars? Where? Good question. Can you raise your salary? Can you raise your income that fast? Good you question. You cannot. No. And so that's the question. If the government started inflating and prices went up 20%, for example... Most people in the United States and Canada don't have the ability to raise their wages. And so they stop buying. How can you buy? You can't afford anymore. And the economy tanks. It's what we call stagflation. You cannot have hyperinflation unless you have two things. Number one is the government printing lots and lots of extra fiat money. And number two is there's got to be some way for the government to automatically get people's salaries raised to keep pace with inflation. If you don't have that automatic injection mechanism to the people, the economy goes down. It does not hyperinflate. People stop buying and prices start to fall. It's deflationary. Well, isn't that also a concern, deflation? If, for example, uh, and I hear this term bandied about quite a bit, and that is the velocity of money. And if you know money's not circulating and uh, we end up in a deflationary situation, considering the, the staggering U.S. debt, which if you include unfunded liabilities, I've heard uh, $100 trillion bandied about, it may be 70 But in an era of deflation, how is it ever possible to get out from under that debt? Well, it isn't. That's why the debt will never be repaid. But remember, deflation is actually beneficial in many regards. Certainly for the consumer. Deep. Certainly for the consumer. That's right. Sure. For example, we've had deflation in computer prices now for the past two decades. True. True. I was one of the first business computers about the size of an Apple, you know, the first one with the green screen and things, and it cost me $20,000 with a dot matrix printer. $20,000. 
Wow. With a pittance of computing power. And so you can see what it's done. We've had deflation. And has that hurt the industry? Not at all. They've been able to do just fine. So deflation is not the boogeyman that it is. Here's what my analysis of the economy is. First of all, what we're seeing now is the real economy, and it should stay this way when it's under slow growth and not being engendered by either a lot of government input or people's debt. People are not buying oodles of houses. But you see, you've got to remember what happened in the U.S. housing market. They basically continued to make debt available to more and more people by lowering the requirements, by sure. going to zero down, et cetera, until they ran out of people to give new mortgages to. 35-year mortgages? That's right. They ran out of even deadbeats that they could get, and all of a sudden the market dried up. And so all of a sudden when the housing started to slow down, then the reverse happened. The people who had been given loans who had fat jobs in the housing industry started to lose their homes, and then that domino effect. And then we found out that they had packaged all these mortgages, and they had secured those packaged debt, which they sold overseas all around the world, with insurance policies, credit default swaps, a derivative. Most of them owned by AIG and uh, uh, Lehman Brothers and J.P. Morgan Chase and, uh, and Goldman Sachs. And these people got bailed out by the government because those insurance contracts would have swamped all of the big banks. So where is this heading, Joel? I mean, the other statistic that John Williams talks about is the unemployment rate, according to, I believe, the it's the E1 figure that uh, the government issues, is, you know, somewhere around 6.8%. But Williams uses another indicator, which is the E6 or the E3, and he says that the real unemployment rate in the United States could be as high as 23%. Yes, that is correct. And it's somewhere, in my estimate, between 20 and 23%. That's near Depression-era levels. But it isn't. No? There's a big difference. The people in the Depression that were out of work had nothing. Mm. They had nothing saved up. They had nothing in their homes. They had no televisions. They had no cars. They were living in shanties and shacks and, and dependent on, you know, the soup lines. You can't find that hardly in the United States except for the homeless. And the homeless have increased only a small amount compared to prior years. It's almost a permanent fixture. The point is that people have unemployment compensation, they have food stamps, they have age-dependent children, they have all kinds of welfare systems, and so they're still living. Some of them have had hardships. They've had to move in with families. They've doubled up on things. But our economy has that kind of depth in it uh, that it is simply not comparable uh, to the Great Depression in any way whatsoever. So do you think that the Fed will continue, do you think that they'll re-ramp up quantitative easing or will they continue to taper and, and, you know, wither the U.S. dollar? Well, here's the point that John keeps making. One, that because inflation is the only game in town yet, I mean, they can't drive interest rates any lower because they're already at near zero percent, at least to the banks. They got down to 3.5% for housing, you know, it's up in the 4.2 range for, for mortgages now to qualify. But the point is that's below the rate of inflation. Banks are losing money. That's why they don't want to loan unless the government twists their arms. They'd rather put their money in the speculative economy. All the new money the Fed is creating is first going to big corporations that speculate. They get into the, the derivatives market. They get into the hedge funds. They get into the, um, the futures markets, the Forex, the foreign exchange markets. These people are making 15 to 20% in those markets. Why should they invest in the real economy? So there's two separate economies that I talk about in this week's World Affairs Brief. It's a split economy. You have this speculative market where all the big players are making money. How do you expect 
Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan are making billions of dollars a year when everybody else is in the doldrums in the economy. It's because they're wheeling and dealing and they're speculative money, and they get almost free money from the Fed to do that. Banks aren't, don't want to loan in the real economy because they can park it in the speculative economy and, and gain 3 to 5% without doing anything and no risk. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at Dow Jones, you know, approaching 17,000 or whatever it is and, and sit on the sidelines. But, I mean, that scares me. I mean, that talk about over overbought. That's right. And that's a major bubble. And that bubble is because the hot money, the new money that the Fed is creating is first going to the big banks and the big commercial institutional people. And they're investing in the stock market and driving it upward. And it's a very dangerous game. You don't dare be in it. Nobody should be in that market because they will break that market and write it down, and then they'll write it back up again because they know when they're pulling the plug and when they're manipulating the markets, and they have the kind of financial power, what they call the plunge protection team, uh, the Committee on Markets, that they can do that. And basically what the Fed is is a combination of these very big two uh, big-to-fail banks that own the Fed, and the Fed is essentially regulating them, and they're the owners, and they regulate the Fed by making sure that their people are always in charge of the Fed and the U.S. Treasury. So it's an insider, incestuous relationship. But the big question, Richard, is are they going to pull the plug on the economy? There's some disinformation agents talking to all of the right wing in the United States trying to convince them that the powers that be are trying to pull the plug on the economy to create martial law. And they've got a lot of us in the nation running around like a, you know, the sky is falling. But I believe that they're not going to do this because they would get the blame. There's hundreds of Fed watchers who would know to the minute when the Fed pulled the plug on the money supply. And they get the blame. So, so final word on the economy, Joel, before we move on to other matters. And I mean, you just are they just going to continue to kick the can down the road for, for another 10, 12 years? Is that what you see? They are, and they can do that. They don't have to inflate more than this rate that they're doing now. As long as they keep inflation below 10%, it's not going to hyperinflate. And uh, they can keep it going down the road until, I believe, they're doing it purposely until war comes, when World War Three comes and takes down the economy, then they walk away scot-free. It's not their fault. It's the war. And they then come out of their bunkers and say, now we've got a solution for you. And it's a world government, a new currency, and you have to have a world government to have a, a world currency. True you can't enough. have one without the other. True enough. You know True. what happens when multiple governments try to get together and manage a currency like the euro. They all cheat. And so it won't happen until there's a world government, and you won't get a world government without a war first. Joel Skousen, editor, publisher of World Affairs Brief here on The Conspiracy Show. I wanted to talk to you uh, briefly about uh, this uh, new trend that seems to be happening out on the, uh, the left coast in Los Angeles, where the police there uh, are, are utilizing something called warrantless, uh, warrantless spying and drones. Tell me about that. Well, you know, the, it was inevitable this would happen. I see the federal government getting away with eavesdropping, and we have certain... Uh, police departments in your major metros, and believe me, I'll tell you, there isn't a single major metro in the United States that doesn't have a corrupt police chief bought and controlled by the powers to be, and that allows corruption to go forth selectively. They have to prosecute, just like the DEA or FBI, they prosecute some bad guys, but they're also running you know, relationships with the mafia, with organized crime, with drug kingpins, uh, the uh, U.S. has a seamless relationship with the Sinaloa cocktail, with the imports drugs. 
uh, into the United States, and particularly into Chicago, one of the most corrupt cities in the world. Hard to, hard to tell who are the good guys and the bad guys anymore. Listen, we'll take another Absolutely. quick time out. We'll come back with Joel Skousen from World Affairs Brief. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Joel Skousen, editor publisher of World Affairs Brief, stays with us a few moments yet. And uh, once again, Joel, how can people subscribe? They can go to my website and uh, click on the subscribe button. But before they do so, they'd want to email me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com and get a free sample issue. And they can, uh, if they email me uh, in the next week, they'll get this issue that we're talking about. We won't get through hardly any of them. Discuss. And it's a good one. Lots of uh, invaluable information here. Uh, so we were talking about warrantless spying and drones on the part of the LAPD. Well, as I say, you know, as the federal government throws more military armored vehicles and automatic weapons at local police forces, many police chiefs, you know, have visions of being a military commander and doing what the federal government does, that is disregard the, the Fourth Amendment against warrantless spy t- uh, spying. And they're starting to spy on their own people using drones. Uh, I had a conversation with Mickey Duff, uh, who is a, um, a, a director uh, with Project Censored. And uh, this was back in January, and we were talking about a, a story that made their list of top censored stories both last year and this year. Or, t- sorry, both 2012 and 2013. And that was that the NYPD uh, are arresting deliberately uh, planting drugs and arresting innocent civilians in order to up their arrest quotas. So, I mean, what you're saying uh, really doesn't come as that big a shock, I guess. No, and they also do it to confiscate vehicles. They go out and target wealthy vehicles by, you know, stopping them, and then they plant drugs, and they bring a drug-sniffing dog out there and and get him to, uh, you know, play like there is or, you know, react positively to the vehicle, then they've got right to go in and search the vehicle, they plant the drugs on it, and the rest of the person confiscate the vehicle, or the yacht, or the airplane. And as a pilot, it's getting very, very scary now that uh, uh, enforcement agencies other than the FAA are stopping people as they fly in uh, and, 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 and do the same drug check, and that's not legal in the United States, and they're getting away with it because the judges are not reining in the police according to the law. That means that there's a corruption system that extends all the way into the courts in the United States. Well, sometimes I look at the police, and, and you know, it goes without saying, there are many fine police officers that, that are doing the job for all the right reasons. Uh, but, you know, I look at the incidents of, of tasering and, and uh, shooting of unarmed civilians, and I, I look at the, the, the police force sometimes as just the, 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 the biggest armed gang in the country. Well, and what's worth, it's increasing at a very disturbing rate. And as I said, uh, the judges almost never sanction the police with penalties unless somebody's captured on video that the police couldn't catch and, and stop and throw that into court. And uh, that's the only way to get a judge. It's forced to then. I, here it is, black and white. I'm not going to be able to let these guys off. And... Um, that's the way it's going here. So there's some real collusion in this country. You know, it's not like Mexico where collusion is down at the lower levels. In this country, in the United States, it's at the highest levels. In the same way in Canada, you know, your leadership there, whether whichever party is in lockstep with the globalists in the United States, they're like, uh, and that's the sad thing about Canada. You know, it's 
it's not more liberty in the United States. It's not less dangerous because your government is following ours in lockstep. I, uh, I, I, I'm in lockstep with you on that one, actually. <laughs> uh, just a few moments left. Let's just tease us with this uh, story that's uh, in this issue of World Affairs Brief, and this is about non-law enforcement agencies in the U.S. Uh, buying up as much as much weaponry and ammo as they can get their hands on. Uh, who are wh- wh- which agencies are we talking about, and, and why are they doing this? This is just incredible. I mean, can you imagine the U.S. Department of Education buying shotguns and Glock pistols and thousands of rounds of ammunition for what? What's their enforcement thing? The weather agencies buying thousands of hollow, uh, hollow point ammunition and uh, incredible. He says it's for because our fishing officers have to carry weapons and qualify every year. Well, why do they need hollow points to qualify? The post office buying ammunition. And the biggest story that I broke, and I'm the only one in the United States to break the story, is that a contractor leaked to me who's doing the remodeling of the EPA in San Francisco, their headquarters there. They're putting in an armory into the EDA headquarters. That oh means they're stockpiling ammunition, guns, and automatic weapons. Unbelievable. For what? Joel, unbelievable story and uh, a great addition. Uh, we, uh, World Affairs Brief, thank you for your time. My pleasure, Richard. Talk soon, my friend. State Secrets with Nelson Thal when The Conspiracy Show continues in a moment. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. It is time for our bi-weekly uh, installment of State Secrets with our resident media scientist, assassination, assassination researcher, former OPP pilot, broadcaster, and past president of the Marshall McLuhan Center, Nelson Thal. Hey, Nelson, how are you, buddy? Pretty good, Richard. Nice being here. How's it going? Excellent. Well, lots going on. Let's kick it off with, of course, everyone's in the midst of uh, Winter Olympic fever. Uh, and now comes word of this, um, well, there's this interesting Illuminati card game, and you can com- explain what that is. It's called the Combined Disasters Illumina- Illuminati Card Game. And they're saying that the the Sochi clock tower, uh, which is right there in the middle of the Olympic Village, uh, somehow... Um, has appeared on one of these these uh, Illuminati cards. Explain. Well, Steve Jackson came out with this Illuminati card deck in 98, and um, people noticed that it predicted a 9-11. The terrorist nuke card had pictures of the two towers being exploded at the same 91st floor as where the so-called airplanes hit. So um, they keep an eye on this. On this, so the resident uh, experts on the Illuminati card game depicts a disaster on a clock tower that bears a striking resemblance to the clock tower at Sochi. So, of course, uh, people are keeping an eye on that because of all the problems going on with security and with terrorism at the uh, at the Olympic Games. So, uh, the idea is that this could foreshadow some sort of false flag event. I don't know if it would be a false flag because if they attack the Sochi, I don't think it would be a false flag to distract people from something else. It would just be something that uh, terrorists are anxious to hit. If it was a false flag, which it might be, the question is what are they distracting our attention from? Just like the Boston Marathon, as we reported, was a false flag because it distracted our attention from the attack on the fertilizer plants, uh, which would uh, lead to increasing the – chance of famine in America. And of course, that comes to our next uh, point about Katie 
Perry's Dark Horse Grammy Awards. Yes, uh, the Illuminati priestess conducting some sort of a witchcraft ceremony during the Grammys. Now, um, I got to be honest with you, Katy Perry is kind of uh, 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 popular around our house, uh, not with me personally. But uh, uh, so, what is this all about, uh, Katy Perry, some sort of Illuminati priestess? Well, Natalie Grant, a pop singer, gospel singer, walked out on the Grammys after Carrie Perry Bazaar's witchcraft ceremony during the event where there was surrounded by demons dancing around an upside-down broomstick during a performance of her song, Dark Horse. Of course, we've been talking about the Dark Horse, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, ever since uh, the the recent... Uh, uh, Jesuit became part of the, uh, part of the Pope of the papacy. And it's been alluded to by a number of watchers of the papacy that he is one of the representatives of the dark horse. And so it's interesting, uh, that the connection between Google shows up and his name was Burgoogle and we've got the dark horse and Perry, Perry wearing clothing bearing an Illuminati Knights Templar cross. And um, so it's uh, it's these messages, of course, what we're doing here ultimately is uh, Bible scholars know that in Amos 3, 7, it says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So likewise, in the uh, satanic version, Satan also copies uh, the scripture and he warns his servants in advance. And so it's important to start to learn his grammars and study his grammars, which media scientists and Bible scholars also do. I had uh, Mark Dice on the program a couple of weeks ago, uh, the author of uh, the Illuminati in, in the music business and, or the music industry and how uh, they have event- essentially infiltrated uh, and and uh, usurped the music industry for their uh, their uh, their end game, whatever that might. Be. Well, I think we know what their end game is. But uh, and and the name Katy Perry came up, and of course uh, uh, names like Rihanna and uh, and uh, uh, Kanye West and and uh, Jay Z and and all of these artists, which uh, you know who have sort of been been flashing the Illuminati signs in their videos, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's it's quite interesting to watch. I mean, when you sit back. Uh, and if you just allow sort of these music videos to wash over you without paying any attention, you miss it. But then once you're sort of clued in, you can't not notice it. Yeah, it's important to study these grammars of the satanic world because they are going to uh, pop up and in advance show us what's going to happen. What you're saying reminds me of we're standing on the shoulders of giants, John F. Kennedy's secret society speech, and especially Marshall McLuhan who pointed out that the arts and sciences are in the pockets of these secret societies. And when he said the word arts, he meant exactly that, the military-industrial complex using the Beatles and music and all forms of music as uh, is in the pockets of the secret societies, and they use it for cultural reconditioning and brainwashing. So what are we, final point on this, and then we'll move on, but what are we saying here then? Do, do artists like Katy Perry and Rihanna and Beyonce, do they know that, uh, that uh, Christina Aguilera, do they know that they are uh, basically... Uh, tools of the Illuminati, or do they just are, are they oblivious to it? We can only speculate. We know that, for instance, uh, there's interviews of Bob Dylan in which he made it clear that he had made a deal with the devil and he knew it. We know that a lot of times, as it says in Scripture, uh, the God of this world is Satan, the devil. And a number of times, when you hear the artists say they're doing it for God, <laughs> that's what they mean. They don't mean God the Father or the Godhead. They mean 
the Satan, the, the, the God of this world, as it says in Corinthians. Whether they know it, probably not, because most of these people are highly deceived. Uh, Satan comes as an angel of light. He's the great deceiver, and he's very, very wise and powerful, and uh, he can deceive these people to go along and just fall in line. And quite often they're brainwashed, they're mind-controlled, they've been drugged, they've been sexually abused, and all sorts of abuses put on them in order to control their minds. They're put chips in their brain. Everything is done. I doubt very much most of them are aware of it. Nelson Thal, our resident media scientist, assassination researcher, and past president of the Marshall McLuhan Center, here with State Secrets, which is heard on this program every two weeks. Well, the financial world, Nelson, was shaken earlier in the month with the uh, the apparent suicide of four bankers. And I think since then, there have been a couple of other uh, deaths in the financial world uh, that are rather sort of cloaked in suspicion. If, in fact, these bankers are being murdered, as some speculate, or being suicided, as they say, uh, who is doing it and, and, and why? Why? Who's killing these bankers? Well, you know, Richard, this really, what the experts are saying behind the scenes is this goes back very much to the uh, and is connected with the the very first banker, the Italian banker, dubbed God's banker, Roberto Calvi, who in June of 82 was found hanging off of Blackfriars Bridge, as you recall. Uh, matter of fact, back in 82, we covered this, this whole thing. It's very, <laughs> but, um, uh, there's definitely, uh, it, it's, you know, there's a movie called The International that they're saying is, uh, it has a lot of clues as to what this is all about. And, um, I would suggest people take a look at the movie, uh, The International. Well, what do you, what do you, what do you think is going on? Is it because these bankers know something? Is it about the, the, the vast market manipulation that many of us suspect has been going on, not only with the, uh, uh, with the gold market, but uh, other equity markets and so forth? Well, basically they're telling, saying that it's to cover up a lot of the global criminal activity. We know that with the, uh, with the, um, setting of the interest rates worldwide, and the different, the forex trading and the, and the derivative trading and the, all the different corruption and criminal activity that a lot of these whistleblower bankers are trying to come out and tell the truth and expose it and they're being prevented and actually murdered in order to keep the criminal activity. And remember most of what they're doing, as your previous guest mentioned, it's a Fonzi, it's a Ponzi scheme, uh, to, 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 to keep the global system alive and uh, there's really nothing behind it and uh, the bankers are trying to expose it and in doing so um, they're the ruling elite don't want it exposed and the way to keep it quiet is just to murder them so it is possible to keep a major large conspiracy going people think they are told oh well you can't keep a large conspiracy going if you start killing people massly and you create mass death lists and murder a lot of people, you can keep a large conspiracy quiet. Uh, for instance, the Manhattan Project was a conspiracy prior to the war, uh, during the war, that is, prior to the dropping of the bomb, a major conspiracy with 3,000 scientists and thousands of military personnel. A major large conspiracy was kept quiet because if you spoke at a turn, you were murdered. So this is what's happening. This is a major conspiracy, and the death list 
is what proves that the conspiracy has been successfully covered up. Yeah, this time it's it's the bankers, and it's it's sort of reminiscent of several years ago when we had all these bioweapons experts like David Kelly being suicided. Yeah, we had Dr. Kelly was suicided. That was in order to, of course, uh, uh, cover up the lie of yellow cake, which was uh, which Bush used during the uh, George W. Bush used during the the state uh, State of the Union address, which he tried to. Uh, he was doing everything to make it uh, look like like Saddam was uh, was attempting to get a new nu- atomic or nuclear bomb, and of course the. There's been lots of death lists. The psychiatrists, we talked about the psychiatrists that programmed the sleepers were being murdered. Um, there's a, there's a movie that came out of Hollywood as, that, that played on this as a joke. Remember the, the, the chefs of Europe are being murdered. Uh, oh, yes, that, uh, yes. The JFK death list is, is, is over a thousand people now. So. I want to talk to you about the, uh, uh, the the story or the rise of the insect drones and the idea now that uh, uh, the uh, these drones are becoming so small and that and that DARPA and these uh, uh, you know defense contractors are basically borrowing designs from nature, you know uh, butterflies and insects, uh, 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 you know because obviously nature has spent millions of years perfecting flapping wing flight, so now engineers. Are reproducing it with machines. The rise of the insect drones. Tell me about that, Nelson. Well, the engineers uh, developed long ago. By the time the story surfaces, you know that it really happened many decades ago, as McLuhan said. They're called micro drones. They're insect-inspired vehicles, fly-sized robots, and. Um, Actually, the stories now are coming out about them, but Richard, behind the scenes, intelligence agencies report that these things have been in the works for decades. By the time it surfaces on the Internet, these stories, you know that means that it's really obsolete. They've moved on to other technologies, and so now they can release this information to the public. So it is a literal, you know, fly on the wall. People, I love to be a fly on the wall. Well, now they really do have a fly, and that fly on the wall could be a drone, and it's spying on you. Yeah, and they've had it for decades. This is not new. They've had it since the 60s and 70s. They've had these flying drones. Um, it's only now that they're talking about it and releasing it because now they don't need drones. <laughs> they can just use me beams in order to measure you into from the satellite. They can scan your mind patterns from the satellites and pick up your thoughts. So um, remember this. Once it comes out on the Internet and it's it's billed as being some new technology, you know it's really obsolete. If it works, it's obsolete. Nelson Thal here, our resident media scientist, joins us every two weeks for State Secrets. Uh, many of these stories, of course, glean from Nelson's uh, uh, vast network of sources inside the intelligence community. Let's talk about uh, this ex-military official, Christine, Kristen Megan, uh, who's sort of uh, blowing the whistle on this geoengineering experiment. Yeah, she witnessed the importation of canisters of powdered toxic metals onto Air Force bases. And this is the missing link. These metals are the same ones being found in soil samples, uh, rainwater samples, dust samples, and blood samples around the world. So as a geoengineering whistleblower, she's exposing that this is what they're spraying up in the air and, of course, uh, is having a tremendous problem with our health and affecting our health. Um, 
it's probably going to affect her health as well. It's unfortunate. I hope these people, uh, you got to give, the, they're tr- very courageous and hopefully she'll be able to stay off a death list. Well, you know, for years, uh, those of us who have been sort of tuned into the whole uh, uh, chemtrail uh, phenomena and, and, and geoengineering, as it's now uh, coined or termed, this, you know, placing millions of tons of aluminum particulates into the atmosphere, uh, and we've been asking ourselves, where are the whistleblowers? Where are the whistleblowers that are going to actually, you know, be able to nail this thing down? And, and, and now we have uh, Kristen Megan. So, yes, Godspeed to her. I want to jump ahead, Nelson. Be- Next item I'd really like to go on to is this uh, is the this the Bilderberg plan to obliterate hum- humanity. Yes. Uh, and Dan well, Estelin is the author of the bestseller Trans Evolution: The Coming Age of Human Deconstruction. He wrote the book. It's largely based on a Bilderberg white paper smuggled to him by a Bilderberg insider. The document was filled with info which spelled the end of the human race as we know it. Estulin explored the methods that the super elite want to use to exterminate 90% of all people. They agreed that starvation is the most likely candidate, and that's interesting in light of Katy Perry's Black Horse Grammy, where the Black Horse of Revelation is the is famine. Ah, interesting. So there's all sorts of connections and dots lining up. It looks like they're going to try and uh, uh, bring in a famine. And it certainly jives with our Boston Marathon false flag report. We were told at the time from inside intelligence reports said that was a false flag to distract everybody's attention from the fertilizer plant in Texas attacks from par- satellites using particle beams, and so um, a-, a lot of the dots are lining up here as we go along. All right, listen, uh, I think we have time for one more, and I really would like to talk about uh, Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia, who was speaking yeah. recently at the University of Hawaii and had some interesting things to say about internment camps. Yes, uh, in uh, the comments were made in response to a question about the legality of Japanese internment camps during World War II. And uh, Scalia says, quote, it was wrong, but I would not be surprised to see it happen again in time of war. He says that the U.S. could reinstate internment camps in time of war. And there's no doubt, given what your previous guest talked about, the wanting them to bring in martial law and use that to move people into internment camps, it shows that Scalia would make it totally legal. We've got to remember that the fascists especially the Nazis during World War, leading up to World War II, all the the camps and the concentration camps were all legal. They legalized it. And if you take a look at the home, uh, the the, uh, the recent uh, different acts that have been passed by the Congress in the United States, they've made it so that anything they want to do is pretty well legal now. Yes, uh, in the Homeland Security Act. It's it, you know we've talked about this. The, this uh, the, thousands of pages were not let, were not read. The Congress passed it, and now they're looking at it and they can't believe that they've legalized anything that they uh, that, that the president wants. Yes, the, the radicals have taken over. Essentially, it's no longer a rule of law. It's they've legalized criminal activity. Yeah, absolutely. The inmates are running the prison. 
Uh, now, we might have time for one more. Let's, let's talk very, very briefly. I want to talk about this, um, uh, Santa Clara, California. There was an attack apparently on the power grid out there, and uh, now it's being linked to the military. Just, just a few uh, seconds on that, if you could, Nelson. Okay, well, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission Chairman John Wellinghoff called it a well-planned, coordinated, quote, a well-planned, coordinated and executed attack on a major piece of our electric grid infrastructure, unquote. It happened on April 16th. 2013, and it appears to be a test run for a future terror attack, Uh, not so much a false flag attack, but an actual terror attack by the ruling elite in order to uh, bring in martial law, and it was avoided by quick thinking by utility workers who rerouted power around the substation, but it certainly was a well-planned attack. It was a test run. And uh, obviously it was a dry run. They didn't want it to happen. But it was just like all the other, uh, quote, 9-11s. They practiced them in advance. All right, Nelson, we gotta, so, we got to cut it there. Yeah. Nelson, state secrets, and uh, they can go to your Twitter, Twitter account. Where do you – your Twitter account to read Nelson these? Nelson S. Thal. T-H-A-L-L, Nelson S. Thal. All these stories are on my Twitter account. Excellent. We'll be back in two weeks. Take care, Rick. Thanks, Nelson. State secrets. Thanks, Tim. Back next week. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.